You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. Today we continue our series um, entitled Lit. Uh, JD started this series last week, and if you weren't here and you didn't get a chance to hear it, I'm going to recommend that you go to our website under podcasts and do part one of Lit, which was really good. Um, He talked about a fire, the fire inside of us and keeping that fire alive. Um, He spoke out of the passage in Leviticus 6 where the priests were um, told to keep always the flame burning at the altar, that you couldn't let it go out, right? Not to let the flame go out. And obviously for us today, we don't have a, you know, fire in front of us that we're keeping. It's, It's a metaphor for passion, right? We are called to live with a zeal, live with a certain passion for God. And I was thinking about that word passion because passion is like a blazing fire, right? It, it just begs attention. Like, I don't, know if, I don't know about you, but if you, if you ever try to not look at something that's on fire, like, you just can't. Like, you have to look at it. Like, if something is burning, you're going to immediately go, what's going on? Like, it begs for attention. Fire has a way of being enchanting. Some, it's enchanting in a way. There's something powerful about it. And I think that might be the reason why God chose a burning bush to speak to Moses. Because it, it required attention, right? He would have to turn and actually pay attention to what's going on. And I love watching people on fire. I mean, not literally on fire. But I love watching people who are passionate about what they're doing. I mean, there's something about them that's so great that they make you believe Whatever it is that they're doing is the greatest thing on the world to be doing, right? They make golf on TV sound exciting. You know, I know it's not for me. Maybe some of you love it. But I love that people with passion um, have a way of bringing things to life. But passion without vision can be dangerous. We've seen that. We've seen people that are really passionate that end up getting into a lot of trouble. I mean, trust me. Take me, for instance. I'm a passionate person. And I have joined numerous, numerous half marathons without training. And have gotten in the middle of it going, why? Why did I do this? Why, Lord, do I do this to myself? You know, beasting later. I'm in the woods. Can't get out. Nobody's going to pick me up. I'm going to have to finish it. You know, I've gotten myself in trouble. I mean, you know those people. Those that quit their job before having a new one. You know, the people that say, I'm just so passionate, they're so in love, and they get married, and they never, ever think about the future. They just get married, and what could go wrong, right? Passion. Love those people, but the Bible actually talks a little bit about that in uh, Proverbs 29, 18, and I'm using the message version because it's pretty cool the way it puts it, but it, it has a little bit of advice, For those passionate folks out there. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I thought that was interesting. You know, the message version obviously is a paraphrase. But it captures the, you know, we do stumble all over ourselves when we can't see what God's doing. We have a way of getting in the way. You know, the passion has a way of getting in the way if it doesn't have vision. I mean, just ask Peter. I mean, some of you know Peter in the New Testament. I mean, Jesus had to rebuke him a few times 
Because, you know, he's so fiery, but he didn't have a vision yet for what God was doing. And so today, we're going to continue the lit conversation that we started, but we're going to add the component of vision. Because passion and vision go together. They walk hand in hand. We ought not to be passionate just about anything. We ought to have a focused passion. We ought to be passionate about the things that God is doing. We ought to be passionate about the calling that he's placed in our lives. We ought to be passionate about his hand at work in the lives of those around us. And so I'm going to speak today on two aspects of vision. Um, One of them is insight and the other one is perception. Two little aspects. And we're going to look at the life of Elisha for this, um, for this message. Um, a little context on Elisha. A lot of people get confused because there is Elijah and Elisha in the Old Testament. And I actually had someone this week I was talking to about the story. And uh, she said, is it not that the same person? No. There's two prophets, one Elijah, one Elisha. And it's funny because Elisha was the servant of Elijah for a long time. Until Elijah was taken, and then the Lord passed on the mantle to Elisha. Um, So today we're going to talk about Elisha. And the first um, thing I want to point out is Elisha's insight. So we're going to go to 2 Kings chapter 6, um, starting in verse 8. And we're going to lead. Now, uh, the entire message is going to be back and forth on this. So if you opened your Bible, if you have a Bible, if you have a smartphone, or if you have anywhere that you can open it, open to this part and don't remove it from there because we're going to be here for a while. So 2 Kings 6, verse 8. Um, this one is out of the NLV translation. Now the king of Syria was fighting a war against Israel. He had a meeting with his servants and said, This is the place where I will be staying. The man of God sent news to the king of Israel, saying, Be careful that you do not pass this place, for the Syrians are coming down there. The king of Israel sent men to the place where the man of God said there would be danger. So he saved himself there more than once or twice. The heart of the king of Syria was angry because of this. He called his servant and said to them, Will you show me which one of us is helping the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. Elisha, the man of God who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you say in your bedroom. Now, notice here that Israel had a certain unfair advantage. Or one can say divine insight, right? The Lord kept the people of Israel one step ahead. You know, if you notice, um, here's, this is what I found kind of interesting in this passage. The Lord kept the people of Israel one step ahead. He did not remove the adversary. He did not take them out of battle. He kept them. He gave them insight to keep them one step ahead. And I feel like this is... Very important because we get caught up in the idea that God's going to remove all of our enemies. We get caught up in the thought that, you know what, I'm going to pray and he's going to make it all right and I'm going to just walk in shady land. I mean, shade, nice summer shade, not shady isn't bad. (laughs) And I'm just going to walk through the breeze, you know. It's going to be a breeze and everything's going to be easy for me. And I, I have learned that most often God will not do that. He will not remove you from the battle. He will give you insight in that battle, but he will not remove you. Because there is potential for growth and there's potential for glory. Your growth, his glory. Amen. So he won't remove. And I mean, the Apostle Paul writes in Philippians chapter 2 that we are to continue to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. 
Now, those don't sound like very happy, peppy words, right? We are continuing to work out our salvation. So here's the truth. Salvation is free. It comes from Jesus. It's a free gift. But we, like children who are coming into this new relationship, like a child who is born who needs to learn how to feed and to eat and to walk and to all of that, we as children of God come into this relationship as infants, and we must learn to walk out our salvation. So that means that battles will come so that we may grow. And things will present itself because, remember, we must learn to live saved in an unsaved world. We must learn to walk this out when everybody else around us has no clue sometimes what's going on or what kind of life we're leading. Right? We must learn this. And so God will not remove all the battles. They will not all go away. We need to learn to engage. However... God offers us an advantage, and I think that's so, so amazing of God. The thing that I feel like we miss, right, is that we, we, need, we engage in battle as if God is on the opposite end, as if he's not on our side. And we must stop engaging on the defense with God, as in, God, if you do this for me, I will do this for you. God, if you would just save my children... I will give all my finances. God, if you will just save my marriage, I will. Now, we forget that God is on our side. He is not over there and you're, you know, begging him to do something for you so that you could have a better life. We ought to engage God as if he is our commander-in-chief. He is our general. He is in battle with us and he is ready to see breakthrough for you. He is ready to see you live the life he's called you to live. This is his desire. So we must not engage in this battle thinking, I need God to be on my side. I need God to do me this favor. God is not into doing favors. He is into seeing you become what you were supposed to become. He is into seeing you fulfill your purpose. And so he is not there. He is here with us in this battle. So I... We need to learn to stop putting God elsewhere, you know. Stop separating him from what's going on in our lives. Now, the other part that I wanted to, um, oh, I didn't want to forget. Um, if you're going to negotiate with God, by the way, I want to give you a little insight. He wins, right? And so if we're going to engage, if we're going to pick a side, I'm going to encourage you to pick the side that wins because he wins. And so let's engage with the victor. Amen. The second side, the second uh, aspect of vision I want to talk about this morning is Elijah's perception. So again, we're going to go back to the text in 2 Kings uh, chapter 6. And now we're starting at verse 13. And it says, so he said, go and see where Elisha is. Now this is the king, right? Remember the king who's very angry. He's very angry that Elisha sees everything that's coming. So he says, go and see where Elisha is, that I may send men to take him. And he was told, see, he is in Dothan. I can't say that name, guys. So the king of Syria sent horses and war wagons and an army of many soldiers there. They came during the night and gathered around the city. The servant of the man of God got up early and went out. And he saw an army with horses and war wagons around the city. The servant said to Elisha, it is bad, sir. What should we do? He answered, do not be afraid. 
For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. He saw that the mountain was full of horses and more wagons of fire all around Elisha. Now notice that Elisha asked God to open his servant's eyes that he would see perception, right? He prayed that his servant would see. Let me ask you, when was the last time you asked God to see what he was doing? When was the last time you didn't engage as in God do this for me, but show me what you're doing here. Show me what, where you are. Show me what you're up to. See, when we were getting ready to move here, and God had already placed in our hearts the desire to begin a community, I remember praying, God, um, I don't, I'm not really sure what to do. <laughs> you know, this is like a big endeavor, and it's a new state, and there's a lot ahead. Will you give me kind of like a game plan? Would you give me like marching orders? Would you help me see what's, you know, coming on? I remember having this prayer, and I remember, and I shared with J.D., that what I saw, perception, was a lifeboat that was um, kind of floating around in the, in the water, was coming around in the water, and it was picking up from the water one person at a time. That's the vision God gave me. And from that moment, I was like, well, I can do that, you know. And I feel like he has reminded me along the way that that's the call. You pick up one person at a time, right? So we ought to be asking God, what are you up to? What are you doing? Can I see what you're doing so that I can engage in this correctly? Can you give me eyes to see? Because let's go back to what Proverbs 29 said. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But if they see, what do they do? They attend to what he reveals and they are most blessed. Most blessed, most happy. So you want to be happy, you ought to be engaging with the one who wins so that then you know what you're doing and then you're happy because you're winning. Amen? Like we engage with God. See, vision has a way of centering passion. Vision changes our response. Vision opened the eyes of the, like the servant opened his eyes and looked around and was able to go, wait a minute. We're not losing. We're not surrounded. It changed his response. Right? Consider for a moment, consider this for a moment. How interesting is it that in the New Testament, right, the, the Old Testament is a foreshadow of what's to come, right? In the New Testament, um, we find this story of Saul who later becomes Paul. But Saul, on his road, and when he was coming to persecute the church, he was on his way to destroy the church. What did Jesus do? I mean, what did God do? God knocked him off the horse and struck him blind. He removed his vision. And I think that's amazing. See, in order to change the direction of Saul's path, God chose to remove what he was seeing and give him new perception, new perspective. I think that's pretty interesting. Now let's go back to the, we're going to finish 2 Kings. I told you we'd be in there for a while. When this, uh, verse 18. When the Syrians came against him, Elisha prayed to the Lord saying, make these people blind, I pray. So the Lord made them blind as Elisha had said. Then Elisha said to them, this is not the way, this is not the city, follow me and I will bring you to the man you are looking for. He's cheeky, right? It's like, this is not the way. I'm going to bring you to the guy. 
and he brought them to Samaria. Here again, right, we notice Elisha could have prayed, God, just destroy them. They're coming to destroy me. Destroy them. He could have. They're coming to, you know, kill me. So you, t- you handle them. But he didn't. He prayed that God would strike them with blindness. And the moment they were struck with blindness, they lost. They lost. Now, could it be that your victory is in your ability to see? Could it be that the victory you're waiting for is at hand? You just haven't seen it yet. See, vision leads to victory. The ability to engage correctly leads to victory. See, have you asked lately for God to open your eyes? Now, I'm, I'm wondering if any of you wondered why this paper was here. Because this is was a symbol. Let's see if, if I can put this in a place where you guys can see. Can you see? Can you see it? It's kind of like that, right? The paper's always been here. The paper's been here the whole time. And it's saying the same thing. But no one can see until it's dark, right? It's dark. No one can see. But if God sheds his light, can you see it? What does it say? For those in the back that maybe can't see it, can you tell what it says? You win. It's kind of like that. God has already written. Ooh, we got dark. Can you see now? Yeah? No. It's kind of like this. The victory is already at hand. The victory is there. It's waiting for you. All you need is to shed the right light. I mean, obviously, it's a silly visual, but I just want to encourage you to shed the right light. Shed the light of God in what's already there for you, what he has already given you. He sent his son to the cross. He already died. He was already resurrected. He has already resurrected. He's already guaranteed your win. He wins. We win. All we need is to shed the right light, is to shed the light on what God is doing is to ask God that we would have vision to see what he is doing so we would engage correctly. So we wouldn't sit passively, so we wouldn't engage in the wrong side. So we wouldn't stumble all over ourselves, like Proverbs 29 says. God doesn't want us to be going around in circles, trying to figure everything out and not really, you know, taking a step forward. He has given us the victory. All we need is to shed the light on where it is, on what, on what he has for us. Now, the third thing I did want to point out in this passage is found in 2 Kings 6.15. I think this is pretty interesting because sometimes we're in that in-between phase where we don't yet know what the vision is. We've asked God for what the plan is. We've asked him to open our eyes to see, but we don't yet know what. We don't yet have marching orders. And I want to point out what he was doing until he was able to see. See, 2 Kings 6, 15 says, The servant of the man of God got up early and went out. And it you know, keeps going. But the servant of the man of God. The servant of the man of God means he was serving. Until you receive your marching orders and until you're able to see God has called you to serve. Because you cannot become the chief of a vision until you're willing to serve we become chiefs 
you know, a vision and become carriers of vision, once we've passed the, the, the phase or the ability, well, we'll always be serving, but once we've been able to prove ourselves as servants as well. Even Jesus himself says that he did not come um, to be served, but he came to serve. Right? The Bible says in 1 Peter 4.10, 4, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. We are called to be servants first. So Elisha served Elijah. Gehazi, who was Elisha's servant, was serving when his eyes were opened. David was serving in the field, in the pastures, when he was called an anointed king. Right? Nehemiah was serving in the palace when he was given the vision to go ahead and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. He was serving. Until you receive your marching orders, you are called to serve and remain faithful with what God has placed in your hands, with what you've been given now, because there is no wasted time. There's no waste in the kingdom of God. Every moment, everything that we are up to right now matters. The things that we're doing now. So you're not just waiting. You're actively waiting on the next. You're serving the Lord with what he's placed in you. You're being faithful in the little so you can be placed over much. That's how the kingdom of God works. So in the meantime, until your marching orders, until your eyes are open, let me encourage you this morning to serve. To serve where he has planted you. Now, whatever it is that your dreams are, whatever is in your heart, my encouragement to you today is this. Ask that God would open your eyes. Ask that God would open your eyes for those around you. Ask that you'd be able to see what he is doing in, the, in those that you love. Sometimes you have to cover them. Like, God, they, they are not seeing what's going on. Well, give me eyes to see where you want them so that I can help, I can guide them, so I can lead them. Help me see what's going on in my family. Help me see what's going on with my coworkers. Help me see so that I could be a, a vehicle, so that I can help guide them. I pray this often for my children. God, let me see what you have in their lives so that I can accordingly help guide them to what you, are, um, what you have planned for them. So my encouragement today as we close is that you would ask God to see. See what he is doing. Open my eyes, O oh Lord. Open his eyes. That we would engage with you as our general and not as this distant God who hopefully can do something for me. Oh, God, if you could please. That's not how we are called to engage with God. We are called to engage with God as a private in his army. Amen.